Well, praise the Lord, Kingdom Rock. Praise the Lord. So I am so grateful that you decided to join us once again for another Sunday morning service here at Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center. So whether you are joining us for the very first time or you've been joining us for a long time, we just want to tell you guys so much that we love you and we appreciate you so much. I appreciate you for being there and being so faithful uh, to watch and to listen and to do what thus saith the Lord. All right, as you know, we're in a series entitled God's Divine Protection Plan. And uh, we're looking to possibly end that series today. We're going to be following the leading of the Lord. This would be part number 13, I believe. So if you have not heard parts 12 all the way back to part one, make sure you go back and do that. Somebody said, hey, isn't 13 an, an unlucky number? Well, we don't believe in luck anyway. We believe in the, in the divine purpose of God. I always, I always look at 13 as in there were 12 disciples and one Jesus. So it's a great number for me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get started with a word of prayer, and then we're going to dive right into the rich word of God. You ready? Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much in the mighty name of Jesus for this day, for this moment that you've given us to gather around your word. Father, I pray that you would speak today by your spirit, that you would lead us in all truth and show us things to come. Holy Spirit, you are the divine teacher. We ask you just to take over and, and take control. We yield ourselves to you and we ask you to have your precious way, have your way. We pray that Jesus be magnified be glorified and lifted up. We love you so much today, Father, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, let's get into the word of God. Well, let's go ahead and read uh, Psalm 91 verses 1 through 16. It's been a long road, and I pray that you have richly enjoyed this series. Let's, let's get into it here. Verse number one says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou see and behold. Rather shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love, because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me 
and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Glory to the Lamb of God. And we've been also looking at scripture in Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Going to get that again uh, as our reminder this week. Again, Hebrews 4, verse 1 and 2. Let us therefore fear, lest they promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. Now remember, the rest here of entering into his rest, the rest is uh, your prayers being answered, the things that you believed God for, now you possess. That's the rest. That's the, the answer to your prayer. He's saying here, let us therefore fear at least a promise. That's God's promise, his word to you. Any of you should uh, fall short of entering into it. It's possible to hear the word of God and not to receive the fulfillment of it. It's possible to go to church week after week and still see no evidence or proof. It's possible to hear the preaching and nothing happen. Why? And we, we see this here in verse number two. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So we want to avoid that. We want to hear the word and do the word of God. We want to take the word from theory to application. Theory was saying, well, this is how it should work. This is, this is what should happen. We want to move it from that to actual working out in your life, to actually doing it and getting the fruit from it. You know, it's like a farmer that says, you know, take this, um, take this bag of apple seed. If you take this bag, if you take this bag of apple seed and after maybe a year or two, you'll get uh, some nice apples. Well, that's theory. But somebody's got to go and take those seeds and dig in that ground and begin to plant those things and, and water them and wait. You know, so it has to move. The word of God has to move from theory to application. You're going to have to be not only a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. So here in Psalm 91, uh, God leaves us. A tremendous amount of promises here and it's up to us to believe that word confess that word receive it as our very own amen so today you're going to move this word from theory to application all right very good all right so we stopped off I believe at uh, verse number 14 and we're going to go right back there today you're just going to go straight into it verse 14 says Psalm 91, verse 14, because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he have known my name. Remember, this verse has uh, really it has two promises that are dependent upon our actions. God has a part and we have a part. God says, if you do this, then I will do that. So we would say. I would even say that this was a cooperative verse. The Lord says here, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. That's the promise, the promise of deliverance, right? We looked at that on last week. The Lord said he will set you. He said, because he has uh, set his love upon me, you have set God in that place in your life because you've set him. 
uh, as your love. And we talked about that last week, how, how important it is to give the Father all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. Amen. Because we've set our love upon him, the Lord said, therefore will I deliver him. So the condition of deliverance is that we set our love upon him. That's the condition of deliverance. Again, the Lord did not say, I will deliver you. And deliver it obviously talks about uh, moving out of some sort of danger. We were there on last week. We talked about that, bringing people into security. So the condition that God gives us for deliverance is not that we have been a good person, not that we've been a good churchgoer. It is not that we've given lots of money. The condition of God's deliverance is that you set your love upon him. Remember, setting your love upon him does not mean that you're making God uh, one of your many loves. No, he is your love. He is the, your main source. He is your, your number one. And because he is your number one source, he will deliver you. And if God is your source, he supplies greatly. All right, so we talked about that on last week. Now let's move on ahead, and we're going to go to the very next part. The Bible to the very next promise here in verse 14. The very next promise says, I will set him on high because he have known my name. Isn't that powerful? I will set him on high because he have known my name. Now, let's look at that, that term when the scripture says here, when the Lord says, I will set him on high. Now, the word set him on high or that phrase uh, that phrase means, or that phrase in the Hebrew is uh, uh, sagav. I believe it is pronounced sagav or, or sagav. It means to, to be inaccessibly high, set securely on high, to exalt, exalt in effective hostility. All right? To set, God says, if you set me as your love, I'll deliver you. And then really, he says, then I will set you on high. Isn't that powerful? You put me, God says, you put me in the right place in your heart. Then I will put you in a secure place as well. <laughs> I love that, Father. I love that. I love that a lot. So he says again, let me, let me read this one more time. Verse 14, because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because they have known my name. So I want you to see something now. This word or this phrase, I will set him on high, means that he will put you in a place securely, Securely seat you or securely position you in a high place, an exceeding high place where obviously your enemy cannot get to you. Now, we're going to see this in the word of God today. The Lord said, you set me as your love, then I will set you in a secure place so high again that your enemies cannot uh, cannot touch you. You will be inaccessibly high. The definition says inaccessibly. I love that inaccessibly high. And it also says uh, he will exalt. That word means to uh, to be exalted in effective hostility. That means that your enemies are still around. They're still around, but they can't get to you. 
Now, look at that for a moment. The Lord says, first of all, I will put you in a place that is so high that the enemy can't get to you. But then he says, you will be set in a secure place, in a place where there is effective hostility around you. So that's actually two places, but it's actually one. Remember in the book of Ephesians, God said that, that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places because of what Jesus has done. We've, we're, seated, we're seated in Christ in heavenly places. And where is Christ seated? At the right hand of God. And we are far above all principality, power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, so forth and so on. We are there with Christ. That is where we are positionally. And that also talks about our place of authority. All right. So grab a hold of this. So when he says, I will set you on high, he's talking about giving you an increased authority an increased authority. And also with that increased authority, there'll still be hostility around you, but you are secure, safe and secure. And, and so in effect, they cannot touch you. They cannot touch you. What picture is that? Well, I'm going to show you a few pictures of that. But one, uh, this just comes to mind right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. One is Daniel in the lion's den, right? Surely he was in hostile territory. Surely he was. But the enemy or the lions in this case couldn't touch him, couldn't touch him. You say, well, those lions weren't hungry. Well, the very next morning when Daniel got out of the, out of the lion's den, they, the king threw the, those old scoundrels in that put him in there, and the, the lions devoured them up. Oh, boy, they were hungry, but they just couldn't touch him. Just like uh, Shadrach, uh, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Uh, there in the fiery furnace. Surely those flames were an example of a hostile environment. Hostile territory, but it could not touch them. They were among it. They walked among them. They walked among the flames, but it had no hurt. And when they came out of the place, they didn't even smell like smoke. All right. So, and I want to show you some more examples in the word of God of how this plays out. Because I, I, I not only want you to see the word of God. I want you to understand the word of God, but I want you to also understand how it plays out, how it actually looks and how it can uh, be applied to your life. Because if you can see it, then you can also understand how you can uh, make it happen in your very own life. All right. So those were two uh, supernatural uh, examples. Let me show you uh, some others. So here again, the plan of God is that when you love him, when you set your love upon him, uh, he will deliver you delivers deliverance. We talked about this last week means to pull you out, right? Or to rescue you, rescue you uh, from some sort of danger uh, to bring you into a place of security. Well, where is that place of security? That place of security is on high. It is on high. So we see that God's not evacuating you, getting you out of danger because you're too weak or because the enemy is too strong or because, the, you know, the enemy has really got you over a barrel and, you know, you, you got to go. No, that, that's not the case here whatsoever. He's pulling you back to pull you up. All right. So he's pulling you up 
He's giving you an exalted position. He's setting you on high. That's a promise, so you can confess that. Thank you, Father, for setting me on high. And he tells us why, because we've known his name. Now, we're going to get to that in just a moment. So he sets you on high, gives you more authority. That's a promise of authority. And he also promises us, even though we're still in a hostile environment, we are safe and secure. Uh, here's another example. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Uh, obviously, Noah in the ark. Was Noah in a hostile environment? Sure, absolutely. The whole planet was flooded. The dead bodies floating everywhere. But he was safe and secure there. So the father has a, a wonderful track record of keeping his people, glory to the Lamb of God, of bringing us up to a greater authority. And you're going to see the reason for this greater authority in a minute and how it impacts you. Bringing us up to greater authority, number one. And number two, while we're still in, still in a hostile environment, uh, he, he, he in effect says to the enemy, you can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch him. You can't touch her. Glory to God. So, all right. We got this. This is so wonderful. Now, let me give you three examples of this also in Scripture of how the Lord keeps us safe in hostile territory, in effective hostility, how he can still keep you safe. One of my favorite here is Psalm 23. Grab a hold of that one. Psalm 23, verse 5. And this is how it reads. It says, uh, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runs over. Come on. <laughs> Don't you agree with that? Let's look at um, Mark 12, 12. Now, if anyone had enemies while on the planet, we know that Jesus did. They wanted to get him, but they could not get him until it was his time. Listen to this one verse here. It says, and they sought to lay hold on him, but feared the people, for they knew that he had spoken this parable against them. And they left him and went their way. You see that? So Jesus was in a hostile environment, and there was the enemy wanting to lay hold of him, but the enemy could not. Because the enemy feared the people. It's like God had Jesus in a, in a divine wedge. The enemy, oh, oh, they really, mm, mm. it's like I want to, it's like somebody at, at, at the workplace would say, I want to fire them, I, but, I, but I can't because of who they know. Uh, uh, I want to do this to them, but, but I can't because of that. I, I want to do this, but, but I can't. It's like the Lord can, can set you up on high, set you up on a high, and securely and secure your position where you are, hallelujah, so where the enemy, he wants to, but he can't, but he can't, I'm telling you, let me show you one more, this is wonderful, go to Luke, Luke the fourth chapter, Luke 4, verse 28 through 30, are you getting this, I'm having a good time, I pray that you are too, Luke 4, verse 28 through 30 says, when he had heard, rather, when they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious, jumping up. Now, this is after Jesus preached again. Jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff. We're going to get rid of you, Jesus. Was that a hostile environment? Oh, yeah. 
But, I love that, but, can you say but? <laughs> but he passed right through the crowd and went, his, and went his way. I mean, come on. Come on. Are you with me? Come on. So here's the father. Again, we see it played out in the life of Jesus. The enemy wanted to get him. They even drug him out. And they brought him to the place where they were going to cast him off. But he walked right through the midst of them and went his own way, unscathed, untouched, securely, securely positioned. Uh, so that's very powerful. Now let's look at the, the, the implications of, the, of how this is going to work out. He says, remember, he says, he will set you on high because you've known his name. Now, the phrase, because you've known his name, has two really has two strong implications. One, it implies that you know God based on experience. You know him based on your experience. You actually know him. He said, I will set you on high because you know my name. Name, and we'll look at this uh, definition in a moment. The word name implies nature, character, authority, the person, the person, the Lord says again, I will set you on high because you've known my name. The word name there implies, you know, me, God said, I will, I'll put you in that, that, that place because you know me, you know, my nature, you know, my authority, you know, my character, you know, me. Secondly, uh, this phrase, because if known my, my name also implies that through your public confession, through your public confession and acknowledgement of God, he will set you on high. Now, let me show you how we got that. Let's look at the definition of the word know. The word, the definition of the word know, because you have known, rather, because you've known my name, means to know by experience. It means to acknowledge, to confess. So, as the Lord says, I will set him on high because they've known my name. First of all, we can say that the Lord will set you in that high place, in that place that is inaccessible to the enemy, even in hostile uh, territory. Number one, because you have experience with him. You have been through the you've been through some storms with him. Hallelujah. Now, we've already known that you set your love upon him. Hallelujah. And because of that love, you've been through things with him and you know him. And you've also made confession of him. Remember the word name here, or rather known, the word known there means to, to know by experience, to know by experience, to acknowledge, to confess. As you confess the Lord Jesus, he sets you in that, uh, that secure place. Now, let's look at what the Lord said here in Matthew 10, verse 32 and 33. This will help bring some things in proper perspective again. It says, whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my father in heaven. So the Lord said he will set you on high. He'll put you in that secure place. He'll put you where the enemy can't touch you because you know him. You know him. You, that is, you know his name. You know him. And you also confess him before others. That's what that verse is talking about. You make public uh, declaration of Christ Jesus. 
And so I want to ask you the question, too. Now, let's go. Let's look at this a little bit deeper. And then we're going to move on. He says he will he will set you on high because you have known his name. Now, there are several, several, um, several names of God in the Bible or or he has several covenant names in Scripture. We'll just look at a, a few of them today. Um, if we talk about Elohim. Elohim is means God, the supreme one. Yehovah, uh, meaning the Lord. El Elyon, God most high. El Rohi, El Rohi, uh, the God who sees. El Shaddai, God almighty. Yehovah Yireh, uh, the God will rather, yeah, the Lord will provide. I love that. Yehovah Yireh. The Lord will provide. Yehovah Nisi. Uh, the Lord is my banner. And it goes on. Yehovah Shalom. The Lord is my peace. So the Lord has many covenant names, but what name is the Lord specifically talking about here in Psalm 91? Of course, we know his name, the name of Jesus. Jesus said, you've seen me, you, you, you've seen the Father if you had known the Father, you would have you would know who I am. He says that He and the Father are one, so we can ac access the Father through the name of Jesus. So if you said that, yes, um, uh, you Lord, you will set me on high because I know your name. What's your name? Your name is Jesus. That is the name that you've given unto me. That is the covenant name that you've given unto me by, by where I can access all the promises of God, Jesus. Amen? I can access it uh, through the name of Jesus. All right. I would say yes. Now, I would say that is correct. But there is a name that Jesus came to give us, that he came to release to the world. And that name was Abba. Father, Father, you can't know God as Father except you go through Jesus. So that's the name I believe that the Lord's talking about here in Psalm 91. Jesus came to reveal God as Father, and he told us to pray and ask the Father in his name. So as the Bible says here, he will set us on high because we've known his name Yes, it is Jesus, and Jesus leads us to Father. Without you knowing Jesus, you can't have access to Father. So because you know him as Father through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Father says he will set you on high. He will elevate you. He will bring you into a position where the enemy cannot touch you, cannot harm you. Hallelujah. And this is another promise that we have to declare, meditate on, and just feed on. Hallelujah. So when you go before the Father in prayer, just say, Father, I love you. Father, because it is because of Jesus that you can call him Father. And because you know his name, you know his, you know his character, his nature, you know him as Father. He is your Father. You are his child, and he loves you. You know his great love. He will always deliver you. He will always set you on high. Far above, inaccessibly high from your enemy. And if you're still here in the earth, well, he'll wedge you in where the enemy can't get a hold of you. Hallelujah. I love that. Isn't that powerful? Well, let's look at verse number 15 now. We're rolling on. 
Verse 15 starts with another very powerful promise. 15 says, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Oh, that is so powerful. Verse 15 starts off with another promise. He says uh, that he, talking about you and I, so again, you can put your name in there. So you can say, I shall call upon, rather, the Lord says here, he shall call upon me. So the, the father saying uh, that Mark will call him. You say Anne will call him. You say Linda will call him. Nick will call him. So you say, Lord, I'll call upon you and, and you will answer me. Now, that's a call and response, and that is pure, complete power. Now, this pure power is only released to those that have been set in a high position with him. All right. Remember, he pulls you out to bring you up to a place that is so high that is that the scripture says it is in inaccessibly high, inaccessibly high. And he does that to grant you more authority. So verse 15 tells you about the authority saying he will call and I will answer. This is power with God. Now, there are several examples of where people had power with God. Remember when Joshua there in uh, Joshua 10 uh, told the son, son, stand still. That's power with God. He didn't have a he didn't pray a long prayer, fasting all night long. He called and the father answered. That's power with God. Remember in 1 Kings, the 17th chapter, how Elijah declared, hey, it's not going to rain except I say so. <laughs> That's power with God. Remember when uh, Elijah also in 2 Kings, or rather Elisha, in 2 Kings, I believe, uh, 2 Kings chapter 1, called down fire upon an enemy army that, were, that was um, surrounding him. They came out to him and he said, if I be a man of God, then let fire come down and consume you. And boom, fire came down. That's power with God. Remember when Peter and John went up to the temple and pray in Acts, the third chapter, uh, they saw a crippled man there begging at the gate. They told him silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, we give unto you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk, picked him up and the man got up. That's power with God. Notice they didn't they didn't have to pray for the man. And none of these examples that people actually pray. They just spoke and declared it. In other words, they called and God answered. That's power with God. I love that. And remember when Peter, um, Peter in Acts chapter five uh, told Ananias and Sapphira one before the other. Hey, you haven't lied to me, but you've lied to the Holy Ghost and. And he told his wife, Sapphira, uh, behold, the feet of the men that carried your, your husband's dead body out. And they're going to they're going to carry you out, too. And then, boom, she fell right in that place. Now, again, they didn't pray. They just spoke and it happened. That's power with God. God says again, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. Now, the father only gives this type of power and authority to those whom he trusts. To those who have uh, set their love upon him and because of that, he's delivered you and he sets you in a high place to give you great power and great authority. And then there is a call and response, call and response. Remember in verse 13, uh, we were just treading upon the, the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon. Were, were we trampling under feet? 
So it looks like we were doing good. Looks like we were doing the work, man. And it was great. We were doing a great job. But then Father says, I'm going to call you back because the enemy's uh, going to try to retaliate. He's going to deliver you from that retaliation. And we think, oh, Lord, why are you taking me back? Is the enemy defeating me? No, God says, I'm just really empowering you to do more. <laughs> Glory to God. So he's empowered. He's pulling you back to pull you up so that you may do more. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can you see that? There's a call and response that is needed. There's a call and response. You go down to the nursing home or go down to the hospital and say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. A devil, I command to come out right now in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. There's a supernatural call and response that God's giving to his body. God's giving to his body. And let me tell you, you're just going to have to lay hold to that promise. Glory to God. There's a call and response. He will call upon me and I will answer him. Glory to God. Let's, so let's move on. This is powerful. This is power with God. Oh, let me show you another verse. Let's go to Matthew 10. Matthew 10. Matthew 10, 8. Now I want you to see this because in this commission, Jesus does not tell them to pray for the sick. Uh-uh. He's telling them really I believe he's speaking or speaking from the authority of uh, of his word. And part of this is in Psalm 91. This is li listen to this and see if you can see the call and response here. The Lord says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So again, he didn't say go pray for sick. He says, heal the sick. <laughs> he says, heal the sick, cleanse the leopards. That sounds like there's an action that's there that the Lord has infused us with power and great authority to do these things. And remember, Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also and greater works than these shall you do because I go into the father. Now, we see in many cases, many times Jesus did pray before a miracle, but other times he just said it. He said, be healed. I will be thou cleansed. Be thou made whole. You see why? Because he has obviously set his love upon the father. He and the father are one. And Jesus said that, well, I speak the words, but the father does the works. That's such a, a cornonia or that's such a oneness with God because you've set your love upon him, your heart upon him. You've given him your entire being. And then the father's love and power flows through you so mightily, so mightily that you are actually doing the work. And Jesus is working through you. The spirit of God is filling you with, with power and great boldness and authority. And what you say, you begin to see come to pass. Again, verse 15 is power with God that he releases to those who have set their love upon him. To those who have made him their habitation, to those that are dwelling in the secret place, abiding under his shadow. Hallelujah. All right. So let's look at the verse again. Verse 15. It says here, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. Now, the, ver the very next part of this seems to be strange. It seems to be strange. He says again, uh, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. Now you say, wait a minute now. I thought I was just calling and responding with God and we, I'm moving in supernatural power and authority, moving in supernatural might, crushing the head of the enemy. You've already delivered me and sent me in a place that is inaccessibly high. How am I in trouble? I wonder if somebody had that thought. 
Well, let's look at that for a second. He says again, I will be with him in trouble. The word trouble here, we look at this definition. The word trouble means straits, distress. It means obviously trouble. Vexer. And look at this next one. We'll really give you, really give you a key to it. It means rival wife. Rival wife. Well, what in the world does that mean? What does that mean? Listen, the enemy knows that he cannot get to you, but that will not stop him from flapping his mouth against you. He can't put stuff on you. He can't get to you directly, but he's still going to try to accuse you before father. Remember the rival wife situation with uh, with Hannah? And she was trying to have a, a baby, but Penina, I'm telling you, it seemed like she was just popping the children out left and right. And, uh, but uh, Elkanah, her husband, loved Hannah more than, uh, than Penina, than, or I think Penina or Penaya. He loved her more. So Penina uh, was jealous of Hannah. And so every chance that she got, she tried to make Hannah's life horrible, horrible. Uh, even when Elkanah would give her, uh, give Hannah double portions, uh, uh, Paniah just kept on, kept on coming against her. Until the point, of course, Hannah went to the temple and prayed there, and Eli affirmed the word that God was going to give her a child, and he did. And of course, the child that was raised up was by the name of Samuel, right? Hallelujah. But there was a rivalry there, the, a taunting back and forth. The same thing was, same thing was true. Uh, Jacob's wives. Rachel did not bear children, couldn't bear children for a moment, but Leah definitely, definitely did. And there was a rivalry because Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. And so they were back and forth. There was a rivalry, a wife rivalry there, a constant taunting, a constant nagging, constant nagging. It's like there was a competition that was already going on, always going on, something always going on. So the father says, I will be with them. I will be with him in trouble. So we see here now, see this developing. There is a rivalry going on. There is some sort of competition going on. And the enemy is always trying to get you, always nagging, always having his words. Uh, he's no, he knows that you are the favored one, that you are favored of God but he still, because of that, he's nagging you and taunting you and, and all of that. But God says, I am with you in trouble. Now, let me give you another example of this. Uh, let's say that there are children on, on the playground and it's, they're about to play kickball. I remember playing uh, kickball. And uh, let's say that they're in a group. The children are in a group and they're all lined up and you got the two captains and they're picking people. Now, let's say there's one star player on this kickball, kick on, um, one star player in the group of children there. And everybody knows if you get that star player, he's going to kick that ball so hard, he's going to score every time. So both teams want him on their side in this rivalry, in this competition. They both want him because they know you get him, that, that's the game. So uh, look at that in terms of this. God said, I will be with him in trouble. <laughs> you with me? God said, I'm with you. 
I know the rivalry is going on. I know what they're saying about you. I know how they're persecuting you. I know how they're lying on you. I know how they're trying to scandalize your name. He said, but I am with you in trouble. I'm on your side of the rivalry. I'm on your side of the competition. I'm with you. Hallelujah. And when the enemy comes to, to bring things up before the father accusing you of this and accusing you of that, the father says, who is also the judge, the judge tells you, I'm on your side. Glory to God. You have the judge and he's on your side. Hallelujah. So the enemy tries to taunt and tries to bring charges and accusations. God says, hey, son, come over to the bench. I'm on your side. <laughs> I'm on your side. You got this. Hallelujah. So he says, I'll be with you in trouble. Again, now you're already inaccessibly high, so the enemy can't get to you, but he's still trying to, that rivalry, still trying to nag you and, and bother you and say terrible things against you. But God said, look, I'm with you in trouble. So verse 15 says again, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. Now that's power, 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 power. And remember the warning that the Lord Jesus gave us as well. He says that uh, you receive a hundredfold now in this present time with somebody got it persecution. So there's that sort of balance there. Our God's a God of balance. So you have tremendous power and authority that calling and response, tremendous power. But yet there's still a certain amount of trouble that's there. And God said, don't worry about it. I'm with you. Just like what the Lord Jesus told Paul. Uh, Paul said uh, he had a thorn in his flesh and he went before the Lord and said, Lord, I sought the Lord three times to take this thing from me, uh, to take, take it away from me. But the Lord said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So there's the balance, great strength, but still there's something that is there. So in this case, God said, I'll be with him in trouble. I love that. Now he says, again, going back to the verse, he says, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. We got that now. Thank you, Father, for being on our side. Glory to God. Now, listen, he says, I will deliver him and honor him. Now, he said, why do we need to be delivered again, Lord? You're with us. You're giving us uh, power, power with you. And you're on our side in trouble. And now it says, now you said, I will deliver him. Well, if you look at this word deliver here, this word deliver is the is the Hebrew word halats, halats. Now, listen, halats means it means a great number of things, but I'm just just show you a few, a few of them. It means to withdraw. It means to pull out, uh, draw out, tear out, to take away plunder. All right. So this is the withdrawal. This is the withdrawal. So this, you would say here, after the battle is won. Now, it does mean to rescue and to remove and some other, not rescue. Yes, it means to be rescued. It does mean to be removed. But this is more talking about after the battle is done, after the work is done. You have fought. You have kept the faith. The Lord said, I will withdraw you. I will deliver him. 
So this is not talking about where the enemy has you so bad and he's really on your tail and you're saying, help me, Lord, help me, get me out of here, help me, get me out of here. No, this is not it. That This is saying it's time for your R&R. &R, I mean, it's time for you to come and rest and relax. The work is done. The Lord said, I will withdraw him. And when he withdraws you, he says, and honor him. Your work is done. I will withdraw you and honor you. Can you see that? He withdraws and honor. Honor talks about glory. Glory. He will place glory upon your life. Now this glory, now here again, this, we're still here on earth at this time. This is not rapture. Still not, this is not rapture. We're still here in the earth. So there'll be a time after the fighting, after the warring, after the day is done, when God says, I will withdraw you from that. I will pull you from that. The demands of all these others will be taken away from you, and I will give you honor. I will place my glory upon your life. Hallelujah. I will favor you. Favor, favor. That's honor. I will favor you. And listen, as we go on down now, to verse number 16, glory to God, hallelujah. And this is how we're going to um, continue through life. He says, with long life, with long life will I satisfy him. Well, what do we have there? We have the glory of God on us, hallelujah. We, the honor of God is on us. So with long life will I satisfy him. That's the long honored life, glory life, favored life. That's what you're living there. He said, with long life will I satisfy him. Now, the word satisfy means to be filled. No more is desired. To be filled. No more is desired. You, you're satisfied. Kind of like a, a, a Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving dinner. The, 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 the tables are spread. And there's so much there to eat. You've already unbuckled your pants. And I mean, you, you've had it. You've already had all that you can eat. There's still more to eat, but... You say, oh, whoa, I, can't, I can't eat another piece of that pie. Oh, I can't. I'm satisfied. I, I'm satisfied. You no longer desire anymore. Now, of course, this is not talking about eternity. This is talking about here. For eternity, in eternity, we're with the Father. We always desire life. Hallelujah. He is life, and he is our love. He sustains us. Glory to God. He's talking about here on this planet with long life. Will I satisfy him? In other words, there is no such thing as premature death. Glory. Come on. Can you jump? Can you shout? Can you jump? Can you shout? Hallelujah. There's no such thing as a premature death. He said, I'm going to satisfy you with life. And you come to the place where you say, all right, Lord, I'm done. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I've lived a long, long life. And the Lord has glory. He's placed his honor upon you. And there's glory on your life. His favor is on your life. And he said, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Another word for salvation there is prosperity. Uh, salvation meaning uh, prosperity. It means uh, deliverance. It means, it means uh, victory. Victory. God said, I will show you my victory. I will show you my victory. So in other words, it's kind of like you're sitting back on your front porch now and, and you fought the good fight and, and you've done it. You've been with God and you and the Lord have, have had a wonderful relationship here in the earth and 
And now you're sitting back there and you got your drink, you, your lemonade, and you, you're seeing what God's doing all in the earth. And then sooner or later, the Lord calls you home. Or we pray that we're all raptured there together. Hallelujah. But this thing will come to an end. And it has a glorious end. <laughs> Glory to God. So the last thing I want to mention here with you in Psalm, 9, Psalm 91 as we conclude the series today. And I pray that you have enjoyed this ride. I know I have. Don't forget to go back and confess Psalm 91 over your life. And, where it's, and make it personal. So you would say here, the Father will honor me. Or I will call upon the Father and he will answer me. With long life will he satisfy me and show me his salvation. Make it personal. Move it from theory to application. And declare it over your life and declare it over your family. Make it a daily confession. Or, or every time the Lord brings it, brings it to you. Declare Psalm 91 over your life. Don't just read it. Put yourself in that. You say, I will dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowl and from the noise and pestilence. He shall cover me with his feathers and under his wings shall I trust. His truth is my shield and my buckler. You see, make it personal. And I believe that's what I want to leave with you today as we conclude this series so let's go ahead and pray heavenly father i thank you for your beloved that is right now listening and watching from all around the world father i pray that they will be covered with the anointing of psalm 91 lord i thank you that you will raise them up to have great power with you and you place them in positions of authority well i thank you father for wedging the enemy out that no matter what he does he can't get to them he can't get to them and I thank you, Lord, for making them inaccessibly high out of the hands of the enemy. And I thank you, Lord, with long life will you satisfy them and that you will show them your salvation. Bless your people, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. And my friend, if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then today is a great day, an awesome day to do it. So if the Lord's dealing with your heart and you want to make him your Lord, then just pray this simple prayer with me. It's not about the prayer. It's about believing in your heart. So pray with me today and just say, Father, I come to you a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe in Jesus that he died on that old rugged cross and that he rose on the third day and that he's alive forevermore. I receive his precious blood to wash away my sins. And Father, I repent of my sins. And I ask you to receive me now through the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for saving me, for healing me, and delivering me. I turn from the world, and I turn to you. And now I ask you to fill me, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I will serve you all the days of my life as you show me how. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my friends, if you just prayed that prayer or a prayer like that and you believe in Jesus, then I will tell you, welcome to the family of God. The Holy Spirit himself will confirm to you that you are a child of God and all will be well. Welcome to the family. Won't be an easy road, 
but it's the best road, I'm telling you. All right, this concludes uh, the, uh, uh, the series, God's Divine Protection Plan. Uh, we've gone through this, and so I pray that you'll go back and listen to these uh, series of messages again and make sure that you get it in you. Don't forget, you can join me on my website 24 hours a day at kingdomrock.org. Is there that you can find this series and so many more. You stay blessed and encouraged, and we love you so much, and we'll see you on the next time.